and for for leading us into the presence of God this morning and uh, just just an awesome time uh, to be able to spend in his presence and and to prepare us uh, for the word this morning and so uh, the book of Acts chapter 1 let me start reading with verse 1 so before I start reading uh, again it's still fresh in our minds. It's, it's fresh in our minds, but even more, it's, it's even fresher in these that I'm going to read about in, in the book of Acts, but it's still fresh in our minds, okay? He was crucified. He was laid in the tomb, and he resurrected. It's still fresh in our minds. Now, what is happening within the next 40 days is just as important, and what it's leading to is just as important, because what is it leading to? In 50 days from the day of his uh, resurrection, it's leading to the day of what? The day of Pentecost. What happened on the day of Pentecost? The power of the Holy Spirit came down. And so we start reading there in the first verse. It says, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. To him he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And so we see here that after he ascended, uh, he came back down and he... uh, revealed himself for the next 40 days to the disciples and many around there. So what's he doing during those 40 days? He's preparing these guys. He's preparing them for what is about to happen after the day of Pentecost. Okay, let me go read a little further. It says, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. And what is that promise? It's the promise of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so again, he's reminding them. And so while he's there during these 40 days, he's preparing them for what? Well, one of the greatest events that took place, well, I mean, there's so many events that happened, but one of these events that after the the, the day of Pentecost, after they were um, filled with the Holy Spirit, they became what? They became witnesses. And what happened? It is the greatest evangelistic uh, ministry that took place from that point on. Friends, it's at that point that the gospel was made possible for every one of us to hear it. Thank God for the gospel, because if it had not been for the gospel, every one of us would be lost. Thank God for those 12 disciples that were out there uh, just giving it out and just uh, making sure that people heard about it. And so we see that on the day of Pentecost, what happened? 3,000 souls were added to, um, to, the, to the church. And so we see that they were very, very effective. He says to them, wait uh, but to, to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, uh, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from, them, uh, from now. And so we see that this is what's happening while he's there, uh, appearing to them during those 40 days, okay? Uh, not only to prove to them that he's alive, but again, he's continuing to let them know this is not over. This is just the beginning. And uh, from this point on, well, again, after the, the, the day of Pentecost, from that point on, it's evangelize, evangelize, evangelize. And friends, I want you to know that from that point on, the gospel has been evangelized by many throughout the entire world. It doesn't matter where you're at, America, America, 
Africa, India, it doesn't matter where you're at. The gospel went out, okay, and is being preached even to this day. And so what happened on the day of Pentecost and thereafter is still going on today. Unfortunately, there's something else that's going on. Something else that is happening along with that. And there's one thing that the devil hates more than anything. It's when the gospel's being preached and people are responding and people are surrendering their lives to God. He hates that. And he's going to do everything as we see in the book of Acts, as we see how these that went out to uh, evangelize the world, immediately they came under uh, attack. And it continues to be under attack today. And I will say the ones that are under attack are the ones that are evangelizing the world. Can I say that the ones that are presenting an entertainment on a Sunday morning, the devil doesn't worry about them. He says, go ahead and do what you're doing. Do whatever it is. Go ahead and entertain them. But it's the ones that are having altar calls, and it's the ones that people are finding that they need a Savior, and they come to an altar. Friends, we need to evangelize the world. And if we want the enemy to be really upset with us, hey, let's get out. Let's evangelize the world. Let's bring people to church, and let's bring them to these altars, and let's get them to uh, accept Jesus Christ. And I'll guarantee you, you will make the enemy mad. You know what else makes the enemy mad? What makes him mad is when you wake up in the morning and uh, immediately you open up the Word of God. He don't like that. He don't like it at all. He wants you to keep it shut. He wants the dust to grow on it. That's what he wants. Those are the ones that he, when he walks into a home and he walks through, and if he sees a Bible there, one or two or three, and they all have dust about an inch thick, he says, I ah, don't worry about this home. I don't have to worry about this one. It's the one that he walks in and he sees the Bible. It's all tattered, all torn, the pages. And, you know, because he knows that that Bible is being used. And he hates that. You know what else he hates? He hates when you wake up in the morning and the first thing you say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. You know what else he hates is when you wake up in the morning and you say, God, I really need your direction today. You know, the person that wakes up and he's five minutes behind schedule and he doesn't even give God any credit and he doesn't recognize God and he's into the car and he's off to work and he's just going through red lights and passing everybody on the freeway. You know, he don't worry about that one because, well, that guy didn't even acknowledge God in the morning. There's a lot of things that make the devil mad. And so we see that he immediately came against those that were out there preaching the gospel. And he continues to work today. There's a few things that we need to understand. Okay? A few things that we need to understand that perhaps is not being said enough. Everybody knows that God exists. People will recognize that God exists. But they don't necessarily believe in the devil. They just believe in God. Everybody knows that heaven exists. Everybody knows that heaven is real. But not very many people believe in hell. And so those are two things that are not mentioned a whole lot in our churches today. It's the fact that the devil's out to get you, and he wants you to take you to his home, and that is hell. Friends, the Bible does say that wide is a gate. You know who he's talking to? He's not talking out to the world. He's talking to the church. 
when he says, wide as a gate. And many are going to find that. You know which ones are those? Those are the ones that are not into the word. Those are the ones that are believing the lies that everybody's going to heaven, regardless of what the Bible says. And so those are two things that we don't hear a whole lot from behind the pulpit. We don't hear a whole lot out there that not everybody's going to heaven. There is a hell and there is a devil that is out to work that he's continually working. Go with me to Ezekiel, if you would. Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. And let me start reading with verse sub, verse 14. You were the anointed cherub, cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till inequity was found in you. Who is Ezekiel talking about here? He's talking about the devil. He's talking about Satan, okay? And he's giving a pretty good description of who he is, okay? Uh, you walk back and forth. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. Till inequity was found in you, by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing, out of the mountain of God. I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your inequities, by the inequity of your trading. Therefore, I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you, and I turned you to ashes upon the earth. In the sight of all who saw you, all who knew you among the people are astonished at you. You have become a whore and shall be no more forever. And so we see here clearly that from the very beginning, God he was a created angel, and because of his pride, his beauty, what happened? God threw him out, okay? But because he threw him out doesn't mean that he just, well, it's over and done with. No, he continues. In fact, go with me, if you will, to Job. Where did Job go? He's in there somewhere. Well, when you're there, give me a page number because I can't find them. Job. My goodness. Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. Let me start reading with verse 1. Everybody there? Job chapter 1. 
Job. Job. Go to Job. Starting with verse 1, it says, There was a man in the land of Uz, Oz, whose name was Job. That man was blameless and upright. He was one who feared God and shunned evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. His sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with him. So it was when the days of fasting, uh, of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did um, this regularly. Um, so it's a good dad, isn't it? It's a good dad. He worried about his kids. And he, not knowing where they were, what they were doing, he would pray continually for them. So that's a good dad. I mean, clearly it says he was, he was a, a man that was blameless. He was upright. He feared God and he, he shunned evil. And these are some pretty good uh, uh, characteristics of him. Uh, pretty, he's just a, a man of great character. And then verse 6, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. Now he's already been thrown out. Okay? Now here is a scene that's going on in the heavenlies. This is nothing that... Job is aware of what's happening here. This is all going on in the heavens. Okay? There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves. There's, there's a conference going on. Who are these sons of God? The angels are coming. And, and who's along there with them? It's Satan who also came. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord, and he said, from going to and fro on the earth, from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant? Now here we see clearly that God himself told Satan, he says, have you considered my son Satan, my, my, my servant um, um, Job, my servant Job? Have you considered him? In other words, God is giving Satan permission to go Come against, come against his uh, servant Job. So Satan's response is, when God says, where have you been? He says, I, I've been going to and fro. In fact, we know that 1 Peter 5.8, it says this, you don't have to go there. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking, seeking whom he may devour. So not only is it going on during the time of Job, it's going on today. It's going on a whole lot more than what we think of. And that's why I say people don't think anything about Satan or the devil. They don't think he's all that real. They don't think that he can, that he has any, but yet we see here, and Peter says it, he says, he's walking about seeking those whom he may devour. That's his job. That's what he does. 
I think that my biggest, what, what I hope more than anything here this morning is that we understand the work of the enemy. And I'm going to share a little bit more in just a bit, but I want us to really get a hold of that. Okay? Because he's, he's working a whole lot more today in ways that so many of us don't even give him credit for. And we need to be aware of these things if we're going to succeed in our walk with God. Now, think about that. God himself says, here is my servant, Job. He's blameless. Not that he was perfect, but he's blameless. He's upright. My goodness, you think God can say that about you? Why not? Why not? Think about that. God himself is looking at Job and he's saying, this, my servant, he's blameless. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but we see that he loses everything. And what is, what is Job's response? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I mean, just think about some of the things that you've had to go through in your life. They were precious to you. And what was our response? Why? Why, God? I mean, how many of us really respond in the way that Job did? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, as I bring this to a close in just a bit, I hope that you can get the idea that we can be like Job. God can look down and say, he's blameless, he's upright. But look what he says. He says, he says about Job, he says, he, he shuns evil. What does it mean? He says, he hates, he hates evil. I don't know why this comes to mind, but... Uh, how many of you would agree with me that pornography is evil? <laughs> There's no question about it, is it? And yet you can drive through the city and you'll see all these pornographic shops throughout the city. Okay? So there was a family that every time they drove by a pornographic shop, they would pray, in Jesus' name, shut it down. In Jesus' name, shut it down. You know why they would do that? Because they hated they hated what pornography is doing to, 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 to people in general. And so every time they drove through, they, they would pray that. In Jesus' name, shut it down. This is a clear indication of a family that hated evil. And yet there's so much evil around us today. Do we stop and we say, God... Shut this thing down. Do this or do that. I would trust or I would hope that we do that. So we see here, the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered, the Lord said, from uh, coming to and fro, the Lord said, Satan, have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him? On the earth, a blameless, upright, one who fears God and shuns evil. And so Satan answered the Lord, and he said, Does Job fear, does Job fear God for, for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around 
him around his household and around all that he has on every side? Have you blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased the land? But now he says, now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to saying, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, and he didn't waste any time. He immediately began to attack Job. Again, what was Job's response? The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. John chapter 10. Go with me if you would, please. John chapter 10. We see that let me, let me start. Well, let, look at John chapter 10, verse 10. Everybody should know that by, by memory. The enemy comes. The enemy comes to, to kill, steal, and to destroy. My mind says, the New King James says, the thief comes. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. Okay. And so anytime that we read that, I, I think that everyone that I've heard quote that, when they say the enemy comes... They make reference to the enemy as who? Satan, the devil, correct? Okay, but let's look at this scripture, okay? Let's go back to verse 10, I mean, verse 1 in, in chapter 10. He says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up another or some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Okay? And so what does verse 10 says? The thief comes, uh, the, the thief comes uh, but to kill, steal, and to destroy. And so he, there he says, he, he's making reference to the first verse about the thief that comes a different way. So what does the Bible say? The Bible says that Jesus is what? He's the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that he's the only way. There is no other way. Very clearly, he says, except a man be born again, he cannot uh, enter the kingdom of God. So he's making a very, very uh, strong statement that he's the only way. And so if we continue to read there, he's saying that he's the one there at the gate. But unfortunately, there are those that try to go in a different way. And those are the ones that he calls thieves. So what is he making reference to? Again, these are the ones that are coming into the church, and they're the thieves. And who are they? They are the false prophets that are being, bringing in lies. Okay? And so what does a thief do? The thief comes in, and he tries to what? Deceive the people. So yes, you can say that, verse 10, when it says the enemy comes in uh, to kill, steal, and destroy, or the thief comes in. You can make reference to the fact that the devil is, and perhaps he's working through these false prophets. Can I say this this morning? Friends, we need to be very careful of the prophets that we listen to. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? Jeremiah Johnson, a prophet, a prophet that made some prophetic uh, announcements, okay? He made some prophetic announcements, and so I'm going to be politically correct here and not offend anybody. He made some political, uh, some, some uh, prophetic uh, announcements that didn't come to pass, okay? It had to do with the elections. Again, I'm trying to be very trying to stay on safe ground here. I'm not trying to offend anybody this morning. Okay? So Jeremiah Johnson, and I want you to get this, okay? 
I'm not saying he's a false prophet by any means. He, I don't think he is. I don't believe he is. But he made some prophetic announcements that didn't turn out the way that he announced it. And you know what he did? He came out and he apologized for his announcements. He said, I was wrong. But you know what else he did? He shut down his ministry. He shut down his ministry. Okay? Now, it says the enemy comes into what? To kill, steal, and to destroy. So what is, what is the false prophet trying to do? He's trying to destroy your relationship with God. He's trying to destroy your relationship at home. What is, that? what is the enemy trying to do? He's trying to, and friends, this is what's happening today. He's dividing families. He's dividing nations. He's dividing our world today. Why? Because he's out there. He's for real. Okay? Now, Warren Risby, he wrote a book, and it's called The Strategies of Satan. It's a good book. Now, the reason he wrote this book is so that he could make us aware of and that we would know what his strategies are. And I will guarantee you that most Christians don't even have a clue as to what the strategies of the enemy are and how he's destroying families, how he's destroying countries, how he's destroying nations today. They have no clue that he's got a strategy to do that. Friends, this strategy has been in place ever since Jesus Christ was crucified. And ever since he rose from the dead, this strategy has been in place. And we're seeing it more and more today, how he's destroying nations. So the enemy comes in, and that's what he's trying to do. Now, Brother Joel, last week, he preached on peace. Peace that every one of us should, because of our relationship, our position in Christ, the Word of God, we should have the peace of Christ, the peace of God. But how many of us have experienced times where that peace isn't there? Why is it? Because he has strategies to somehow come into your, into your own relationship, into your, into your own affairs, to rob you of your peace. Now, he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy Think about this. Today, we are facing more than ever suicide among young people. So where does the spirit of suicide come from? It comes from Satan. Okay? And so why is it that we're seeing so much suicide today? Because Satan is in a way, strategizing to get into the minds and the hearts of not only the young people, but others. And he's causing them to commit suicide. You know, you heard Pauline speak of her, um, is it her cousin. I remember Elena. I remember her really well. Came to church here for a while. Believe had a relationship with God. But does that matter to the devil? No. Why? Because he's going to and fro seeking whom he may devour. And the first person that gives him a little bit of attention, guess what? He's going to plant some thoughts. 
It's going to cause this person to do this or to do that. Now, let me throw some things at you this morning. Anxiety. Where does anxiety come from? Let me throw some things at you. Fear. Where does fear come from? Doubt. Where does doubt come from? And yet we see today in our church, we see people over and over. We see Christians. We even see those that have a relationship with us, a strong relationship. We see that they're dealing with anxiety. In fact, Bob was telling me that, um, and I don't know if I'll get this whole story right, but he shared with me a, he shared with me a song. Uh, I believe the name of the song was Let Go. Um, and so I, I listened to it and heard the words, and, um, and, and so Bob tells me the whole story. And, so, and, and this is, this is uh, before Bob heard it, Jacqueline heard it, and she heard it at work. And, and so there's a whole story connected to that, okay? Well, to make a long story short, uh, basically uh, this person wrote the song, and there was a pastor, correct? And the pastor was dealing with what? He was dealing with anxiety. Can you imagine that? A pastor dealing with anxiety. See, we're not exempt. We're not exempt from, from, from dealing with, with anxiety. Stress. Where does stress come from? If not the, the enemy that tries to create so much, so much havoc in your, in your life. Now, now, let me tell you something, guys. Let me say this. We're living in a time today that there is so much confusion. We're living in a confused world. It's coming from the top. Again, I'm trying to be politically correct. I don't want to step on toes. Where's fear coming from? Where's the paranoia coming from? It's not coming from the word of God. It's not coming from the throne. It's coming from a top. And I need to be real careful here this morning because, well, I might get my Twitter account canceled. <laughs> don't worry, I don't have a Twitter account. I might get our YouTube canceled here. We need to recognize these things. These are his strategies, guys. I don't think that China, the CCP, a year ago thought, you know what, we're going to just destroy the whole world. There's someone that's out there that wants to destroy the world a whole lot more than China does, and that is the devil himself, that is Satan himself, and he's doing a darn good job of it today. Not only is he destroying the lives of the secular world, but he's destroying the lives of the Christian world. And that's his whole intention. Is He could care less about the secular world because they're all going to hell already. He's more concerned about the Christian world, and that's what he's trying to destroy. Oh, my. Hmm. No, no, I'm just, I gotta be, gotta be careful. I gotta be careful here. I'm, not, I'm getting away from a message here, but I, I, I believe this has to be said this morning, guys. Okay? I, 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 got a, I got a real kick out of it. 
But there's so much truth to that. And it's more than meets the eye, guys. Our great president has a meeting with, I believe, the Prime Minister of Japan. They're in their conference room. The United States on one side and his entourage, Japan's entourage on the other side. I'm going to say there was about 20 in that conference room. Every one of them, all 20 of them, and I'm just using that number 20s, but all 20 of them have been vaccinated, okay? Not only have they been vaccinated, but before they walk in that room, they check their temperatures. They all sit down. And your great president is sitting there, not with one mask, but with two masks. Now, you tell me how much sense does that make? Okay? If they've been telling us that once you get vaccinated, don't worry about it, and they continue to wear their mask, what are they worried about? It's not worry, guys. It's they're making a statement. I'm in control. I'm wearing this mask, and I'm telling you, you're going to wear your mask for the rest of your life. Guess what Israel just did? They just lifted their mask mandate. They just... Outdoors. But, but at least they're moving us in the right direction. Right. But they're, they're lifting something, okay? Let me... Let me how did I get there? I'll, I'll tell you how I got there. See, the enemy is coming in and he's destroying, he's destroying our faith. He's destroying churches. I mean, honestly, I guess I should be careful the way I say this. Anymore, I, I, I'm being criticized by everything I say, so I just have to be real careful. I, I don't... I'm not real concerned about the JWs because they're in their own world. I, I hope at some point they realize that they need a savior. Oh, now, pastor, now you're getting a religion? Yes. You know why? God hates religion. Jesus hates religion. Jesus wasn't a religious person. You know who are the religious people? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were the ones who were out there beating themselves and saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. God hates religion. You know what he wants? He wants a relationship. So I don't know what's going on with the JWs, but I'm telling you, they've shut down their churches, their kingdom halls. They haven't opened up at all. I mean, they may be coming at it from a different angle, but I'm telling you right now, there is a spirit of fear. There is a spirit of paranoia that is invading the entire world. And that spirit, and I'll get into it in just a little bit. How much time do I have here? I got about 10 minutes and I got to rush through this now. Ephesians 6, 11 says, let's go over there. I don't know, I'm just... I'm getting, well, just, just, just be quiet. Ephesians chapter 6. 
Where am I at? Let me start reading with verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand the wiles of the devil. You know what? Paul, Paul understood. Paul knew very, he was 100% sure as to how real the devil was. That's why he wrote this. That's why he writes this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles. Then he says, don't, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So, so to be fair, so to be fair to your president, okay, our beef is not with him. We're not wrestling with him. Maybe some of his ways. But it's what he's allowing. And what he's allowing, where is it coming from? Well, he says right here, he says, he says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. He says, but we wrestle against what? We wrestle against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So what is that we're battling against? It's the principalities and powers. And who is in charge of these principalities and these powers? Satan. So what is our White House, our, our, our White House filled with? Is, is this, what is a principality? A principality is a, is a territory or it's a domain. And so what is, what is the White House filled with? It's a, it's a principality of spiritual darkness. And so this is, this is where our fight is at. You know, we should pray, God, save our president. Save our president. I'll guarantee you that if for some reason Biden is walking up the stairs and he stumbles, which is not unusual for him to do, as he stumbles going up the stairs to Air Force One, in that stumble, he has a road to Damascus experience. The lightning. And God himself, why are you kicking against me? What are you doing? And all of a sudden, Biden wakes up and he says, wow. And he goes to jail and he says, jail, you're not going to believe what happened. But I just had an experience from God. Of course, he's going to have his hands full. But at the same time, think about this. Pelosi and Schumer are having a conversation and boom, lightning strikes. And all of a sudden, they have a road to Damascus experience. And all of a sudden, there's a change of heart. What's going to happen, guys? What's going to happen is all of a sudden, these principalities, these uh, darkness there is light is coming in. And guess what's going to happen? Now they're going to make better decisions for our country. Amen. These spiritual, these, these principalities, these uh, uh, powers of darkness, I'm telling you right now, they are a lot stronger than what we can afford to fight in our own strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Word of God. That's the only way that we can go against these principalities and these spiritual darkness. That's the only way, guys. And we have to build ourselves. That's why he says, put on the whole armor. That's the only way we can fight. But we've got to recognize these principalities. 
Okay? The Holy Spirit says through Paul, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against... Uh, let me go a little further, okay? In most places where the phrase appears, the context makes it clear that it refers to the vast array of evil and malicious spirits who make war against the people of God. The principalities and the powers of Satan are usually in view here being wielded to uh, the power in the unseen realms to oppose everything and everyone that is of God. Now, now just like that scene with Job, it was a scene that was going on in heaven when Satan appeared, okay? The same thing today. What is going on in the heavenlies, we may not see it, but we recognize it in decisions that are made, in the things that the enemy is trying to steal from us, okay? So these principalities and these... Uh, um, Powers of darkness is what we have to fight against, okay? Now, let's go to Romans 8 real quickly. Romans chapter 8. Where is Romans? Romans chapter 8. Gosh, I could read the whole thing, but... Um, let me, let me start reading with, you know what? I, I've got to read with, start with verse 31. What shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall we, he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect if God... If it is God who justifies, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Come on, answer that. Shall tribulation? How about distress? How about persecution? How about famine or nakedness? The peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet it says what? Yet in all these things we are more than what? We are more than conquerors through him. And then he goes on and he says, I am persuaded. I am persuaded. In other words, he's convinced. He says, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor what? Nor principalities are able to separate me, what? From the love of God. So these principalities and these powers of darkness, as uh, strong as they are, they're not able to separate us from the love of God. Hallelujah. Ephesians. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, let me start reading with verse 20, and it says, Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every man that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. So it tells us that Jesus is enthroned in the heavens, far above all these principalities and all of these powers. Once again, let me tell you, that resurrection power, there's some power connected there because it blew him past all these principalities and all these dominions, and he sits above those. Friends, the word of God tells me that I am seated with Christ where in the heavenly places, glory to God. Colossians chapter 1. 
General Electric Power Company. Let me see, Power Company. Colossians chapter 1. Verse, uh, let me see, verse, oh goodness, start with verse uh, 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Amen, amen, amen. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. He has conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son in His love in whom we have redemption through his blood. Glory to God. I think this might be one of the verses that, that, that Joe must have, uh, might have preached on last week. Uh, in whom we have redemption through what? Through his blood. The forgiveness of sins through what? His blood. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now look at verse 16. For by him all things were created that are in the heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. So we see here that God, God uh, has created these principalities and these powers. You, know, you might wonder, well, why, why would he do that? Well, let me tell you once again, God has a plan. God has a plan. Oh, let me see. Where do we go here? Oh, Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him. Who is the head? Who is the head of all principality and power? You know what? Satan didn't learn his lesson once. He was already kicked out of there one time. Boom. You're out of here. But he doesn't learn his lesson, does he? He continues to work. He continues to work. And we see here that we are complete in him who is, who is the head the head. This tells us that Jesus is the head over all principalities and powers. Therefore, Jesus is not the opposite of Satan or principalities. He's the only one. Ephesians chapter 3. General electric power. Ephesians chapter 3. Go back a little ways. Three, verse eight, to me who am less than the least of all the saints, the grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. To make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Okay, to what? To the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places. Now, I want you to know that not only are there angelic forces that are part of this principalities and powers of darkness that are evil, but there's also the good uh, angels and these good principalities and these good uh, powers uh, that he's referring to. And it's it, it, the, the wisdom comes through the church that is going to be shown to these uh, to, to, to these principalities. Let me go a little further. First um, Corinthians, if you will. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 15. There is no 50. I'm getting close to the end here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 24 says... Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts to an end all rule and all authority and all power. It's going to come to an end at some point. It's going to come to an end, okay? But in the meantime, 
We have this to deal with. We have this to recognize, okay? The stress, the confusion, the lies. Now, we know that the Bible says that the devil is what? He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the father of lies. He's the deceiver. That's what he's good at. He deceives. He lies. He accuses you. Okay, that's what he's. That's what he's good at. And, and I'll tell you right now that many of the Christians they they deal with that on a daily basis. They have to deal with the, the deception, with the lies, with the confusion. Okay. Again, we see the principalities and the spirit, of the, the, the 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 powers of darkness that are hovering over much of our leadership today. They're being driven by that. Can you imagine? And friends, I'm telling you right now. I am telling you right now that it's not very far from where the rapture, the, the trump is going to sound. It could very well be the Feast of Tabernacles this year. It could very well be. And I'll tell you why. Our nation keeps falling further and further into that. I don't know how to call it. It keeps getting further. But I just heard, I just heard a few days ago. I don't know all the details, but just that what I heard made me sick to my stomach. And the fact is that this president raised the restrictions of using uh, aborted babies in whatever form they want. He lifted that. In other words, they can use them for whatever. Friends, I want you to know that up until that point, most women that were having abortions, they didn't even know that they were being used at some point. Now they have to sign a waiver saying that it's okay that if they abort their child, that they can use that aborted fetus for research, for, 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 for vaccines, for whatever it is. See, this abortion issue keeps getting worse. What's going to happen with our nation? Guys, I'm telling you, God is planning soon and very soon to blow the trumpet. And like the sign says, Jesus is coming soon. Are you ready? Go with me to, back to, to Colossians. And I'll wrap it up here. Because this is my favorite part. This is my favorite part here. Colossians chapter 2. Um, where am I at? This is my favorite part, starting with verse, uh, let, me, let me start with reading verse 11. In him you were also circumcised and with circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. You being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Having wiped out all the handwritings of requirement that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having it nailed to the cross. Do you remember a few weeks ago when I gave that little illustration of the cup when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane? And he says, Father, if you can take this cup from me. I had that cup with me, and I said, you know what? That was a cup of judgment. That was a cup of wrath. And in that cup 
Your sins, my sins, that's what was in that cup. And that's why he said, if you can take this from me. But friends, if you want to see it this way now, that which was put in the cup, okay? He took those things, your sins and my sins. He took those things from there. And what did he do? He took them to the cross and he nailed them up there. He put them up there. They're gone. They're for the, we don't have to remember those anymore because God has forgiven us. That's what he's talking about. But look at, look at the next verse. He says, he says, having, having disarmed principalities and powers, having disarmed them. I don't know if I can do this. Um, I'll be really, really careful, okay? I'll be real careful with this. This thing's armed. Okay? It's got my clip. There's a bullet in there. It's armed. This is what Jesus did. He disarmed it. This is what he's done with the principalities and the powers of darkness. He has disarmed. Guys, what I'm simply telling you is this. A stress. Better put this away. That's, that's the best illustration I can give you, okay? He, it, I just read it. I just read it. He disarmed the principalities. Now, I'm not saying that Satan doesn't have any power. He does. But he only has as much power as you give him. You want to live a, a stressful life? You live a stressful life. But what my Bible says is that he disarmed that from us. I don't have to live a stressful life. I don't have, a, I don't have to live a life of, of anxiety, okay? I don't have to depend on these drugs that help me through this. Be quiet. Because these are the principalities. These are the powers of darkness that are trying to creep into your life. And he said, I disarmed those principalities. I disarmed those powers of darkness. And so we don't have to go there. Friends, those that are committing suicide, you can tell them, look, you don't have to listen to the voices of the devil. God has disarmed all that. He has power over that. Friends, we need to walk out of here and know that the victory is ours. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Jesus, hallelujah. And so therefore, we should walk in uh, with our heads high and, and, and walk in victory. Because he says there, he says there right there, he says, he says, uh, having disarmed the principles and powers, of, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them over on it. Hallelujah. You know what? The devil thought, the devil thought that when Jesus was on the cross and when he cried out, it is finished, the devil was dancing. He says, it's over. But little did he know that on the third day, he was going to rise again. And it was at that point that the devil says, oh, no oh no it's over for me glory to god it's over for him then and it's over for him today hallelujah so guys walk in victory walk in victory don't let don't let these things that are hovering over our nation don't let these things that are hovering over washington don't let them get to the point that you just say oh man i give up no because god is still in control he still wants to raise us up out of here one last scripture and then i will be done and it's in revelations chapter 12 Revelation chapter 12. Let me read this, starting with verse 7. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. 
But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast out to the world. He was cast out to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Hallelujah. This is yet to happen. This is yet to happen when God is going to say, you know what, devil? You have no place in the heavenlies. You're out of here. Get out of here. Hallelujah. And that's something that we're going to witness. Hallelujah. So I'm telling you right now, these principalities, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's these principalities. But I want you to know, he's disarmed them. We continue to pray. Put on the whole armor. But they're disarmed. You know what? He's got a big bark. But he can't bite you. All he can do is bark and bark all he wants. But he can't bite you. Unless you let him. Unless you let him. Hallelujah. Friends, I'm telling you right now. What we're living in. Those principalities, those powers, man, they have a grip on us and we got to let go. Fear, doubt, we got to let it go. We need to be led by God. We need to walk in the spirit. That's what we need to do. We need to trust God. We need to trust his word. Hallelujah. Put our faith and trust back in him. Amen. And walk in his ways. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have disarmed those principalities and those powers of darkness. God, our victory is in you. Oh, as we sang this morning, great is the Lord. Hallelujah. I hear those chains falling. Is that what the song says? Hallelujah. There's hope. Hallelujah. He restores. Hallelujah. What else does that song say? Glory to God. Those chains are found. There's doubt. Hallelujah. That doubt is falling. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We are going to trust in you and walk in your ways, Father. We know that if God be with us, who can be against us? We know that your word says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. We are victorious because of the cross, because of your blood. We are victorious because you're seated at the right hand of the Father. You are interceding for us. Glory to God. Father, you are so powerful, so great and so mighty, God, that one of these days, you're going to kick him out of heaven and he's going to be gone forever. And one of these days, He's going to be thrown into the, into the sea, into the, 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 the depths of hell, Father. He's going to be thrown in there. And so we thank you for that. Victory is ours. Amen. Say that with me. Victory is mine. Hallelujah. Well, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance and he's going to give you his peace. He's already done it. Hallelujah. God bless you. Join us on Wednesday for prayer. Call my name and I promise that forever I will call you mine. Let me prove in this moment that I never let you from my side even though I didn't know You're on the edge of something beautiful Won't you just let go Yeah, it's better than what you dare to hope All you have to know